welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, base campers. Hope you're all doing well. We've done quite a few episodes about or alluding to the changing of the guard here on this planet, a reorganization of its structures and ideas. Not the great reset, as Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and others at the World Economic Forum would have in store for us. To be succinct, they have all sorts of new ways of reducing our population and enslaving humanity in sometimes clever, but mostly really obvious ways. No, the reorganization we're talking about is along a much more humane path, the open path, as my guest today calls it. And it is a path of cooperation, gratitude, and inspiration amongst all of us good humans, no matter your age, sex, status, skin color, or political affiliations. We have bonds that are much deeper than that. Are you following me? And people seem a bit uneasy right now, and for good reason. Most are reaching for resources to help discern truth from the noise. And man, is there a lot of noise right now. Hang in there, base campers. It feels like we are on the precipice of about three to five major world events that will be coming at us, ones that we will talk about for years and decades to come. And we will be here at base camp to do our part to help discern and make sense of what's going on and offering an alternate perspective, if that's helpful to you, a perspective that is perhaps a bit more uplifting and pro-humanity. There seems to be a new future that is calling for us, one that is not dependent on our past or any preconceived notions. It's not confined by any religion or even any myth. There's something emerging in humanity, a recognition, perhaps, an inner knowing and strength in our respective missions. Before we get to our interview, I'd like to express my deepest gratitude to you for all of the ways that you serve our tribe, the 1,001 ways that you show up as human, warts and all, and for all the ways you let go of things that no longer serve you and therefore no longer serve humanity. I see you, and I know how far you've come on your hero's journey. Thank you, Base Campers, and enjoy the interview. My guest today is an author, anthropologist, linguist, and mystic. Anna Retort is the author of Krivda, God Tricks Against the Matrix, and is a kindred spirit living in rural Thailand. Here's my interview with author Anna Retort. Okay, I am here with Anna Retort, writer, mystic, thought leader, Anna Retort. Anna, welcome back to Base Camp for Men. It's great to have you back. Tony, it's a great pleasure. Yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been, I've been enjoying some of your uh, some of your talks with other people. You have, you have such a bubbly uh, kind of energy. It's uh, and the sense of humor that's absolutely kind of impregnable in the middle of everything. It's fantastic. Oh, thank Very you. Very happy I, to be back. Yeah, I appreciate that. I've been thinking about you. You know, I was. I've kind of learned uh, to trust my intuition when it comes to if I'm starting to think about a guest. And, and you and I did a, a two-part episode last time around Krivda, uh, the book that you wrote, which is fantastic. I was I was getting into it again last night. Um, and so, but I was thinking about you, and I was like, oh, I got to do another episode, even though I wasn't like, you know, we're going to do it about this. And and you were game, and so I was like, okay, let's let's do another one. And I thought of great first question is uh, like looking through the lens of Krivda, crooked truth. Um, what are we discovering right now? What are people discovering? Uh, what What do you think people are realizing? Uh, uh, maybe now that they didn't know 
the last time we spoke, which was several months back? Like what what seems to be emerging? What's what's the edge of the awakening? Uh, maybe you and I can compare. You can say what what you're seeing over in Asia, and I can explain maybe a little bit of the edge or the awakening that I'm seeing all the way on the West Coast here in the States. Well, um, I think, you know, the same thing that is happening in the States is happening elsewhere. Mm-hmm. In Asia, you know, the cultures and the political cultures over in this part of the world are much more controlled, let's mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm not going as, I don't even need to, you know, mention the case of, of China. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, Asians have an acute sense of the need for social cohesion and stability. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what goes on in private conversations, it's not externalized as it is in, in America. I mean, mm-hmm. even if I compare Europe to America, Europe, the conversations are happening, but they're not, you know, you don't have this huge landscape of alternative seekers and speakers and podcasters and you know uh, summit organizers and things like that it's it really is something that's very flourishing in america now and uh, there's nothing to compare to it you know worldwide so uh, you know here where i am in the big city most people are still wearing the mask Mm-hmm. All the other requirements have been dropped, but exactly like everywhere else, or most everywhere else, you've still got all the advertising, you know, encouraging people to get their nth, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever it is, booster, or the next bivalent thing, or whatever it is. And... um on the other hand, you know, it's still a traditional culture and people know that they can use their plants and herbs. Right. And so a lot of people do stay with the plants and herbs, but it's all very private. Most of this does not get out into the public arena. So it's much more difficult to gauge than yeah. out where you are. Right, right. You know, I, one thing I'm seeing is people, there's a group myself included, that was sort of questioning a lot of the rollout of the vaccines and was questioning the whole COVID narrative. And, you know, depending on where you live, I live in Seattle, so I was one of the real minorities of somebody that was outspoken about it. But it has, there is more and more people that are starting, I'm hearing more and more people saying, there's no way I'm getting another one. It didn't stop me from getting COVID. Uh, You know, I think there's a little bit of an egoic thing where the group that was really mad at the people that wouldn't get on board and wear their masks and get the vaccines, they don't want to go so far as to say, hey, you know what? You might've been right about that. You know, they don't, they don't want to go that far because that's, that would be a kind of a, a blow to the ego but what i'm what i'm seeing is people going they're subtly changing their tune they're subtly going you know what i'm not trusting what the sources of the the scientific information like i was before because they they've got it wrong a whole bunch of times fauci's been wrong and he's reversed and 
And even that part is good, right? You don't have to be a full-blown, quote-unquote, conspiracy theorist. Even just seeing through the krivda. Yeah, yeah. That, that you know, I think, I think here in the States, people are getting a bit better at reconciling people like me and then their own perceptions before it seemed like it was polarized. Like, well, Tony's over there and yeah. he he thinks he's on to something and I'm not quite sure. I don't want to process that. I don't have time to get into all the videos that he's forwarding people. So I'm just going to stand in my, what feels right for me and vaccines my whole life have never been bad. And I'm going to trust that, you know, but now I think they're in a spot where they can use their own discernment, their own inner knowing, and maybe they have seen some video or maybe, you know, their sister or something happened and she's got heart issues or she's got, I mean, there's tons of people that have been injured by this thing. And so they're starting to use their own anecdotal evidence and their own inner knowing, and they don't have to come over and say, Tony, thanks for doing that or, or whatever. That's not necessary They're But they're reconciling the two to see, wait a minute, I, I, I can, there's space for me in between where I was and where he has been. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, very much so. Yeah. And I'm going to pick up, I'm going to yeah. pick up two, two words that you used, which I think is very significant. I mean, you mentioned ego and the question of trust, mm -hmm. you know, more important than, you know, whether they recognize that they were in error or whatever. And it's not for us to judge anyway. Sure. But the basic the basic fact that more and more people are distrusting the institutions, um, this is a sure sign of and it's going to amplify, you know, in the weeks and months and years to come, this this wave of distrust is going to amplify. This winter is going to get brutal. People are going to be so badly slapped in the face, mm -hmm. at least in, in the face, you know, in the belly, yep. in the in the everything, especially, you know, in the developed countries mm. that that, you know, whatever trust they had in their institutions is going to be completely gone now. What, you know, are they going to turn to Tony and turn make Tony become their guru? I don't wish this for either Tony or for any one of them. Mm -hmm. You were also mentioning that they would go to their inner knowing. Now, you know, when people have been, have been relying on uh, whatever it is, on the institutions, on the political, the economic, the et cetera, set up, and they are suddenly having to discover that they cannot trust them. What do they have that they can trust? Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned the ego aspect. So that's when they're going to discover that their ego that was built on false assumptions, false beliefs, the ego is going to start crumbling. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be flailing about like crazy. Yep. And this is where, you know, apart from all the prepping advice and, uh, you know, build community and this, that and the other, people are going to have, uh, you know, Tony, some people have been saying that this whole thing that is organized by the WEF and by the powers that be, it's a great initiation of humankind. Mm. And the assumption in that is, of course, that the initiation is into 
the new world order, into transhumanism, into being the new form of slavery that they're organizing for us. But actually, when your ego falls apart like that, and everything that you relied upon uh, reveals itself to be unreliable, your initiation is going to be in the dark night of the soul. And so that can be phenomenally, um, uh, you know, evolutionary in a good way for people. Yeah. It can, but it can also be manipulated, you know, when, if it reaches a certain point of despair and nihilism, you know, then indeed they can be manipulated. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when you're initiated, you have to go through whatever the, whatever the path, it can be a good path or a bad path, but you have to go through a certain, you know, dying in inverted yep. quotes, process where you, you know, the habitual, something habitual about you has to die so that something new can come in. And that applies to, you know, going into a dark path or going into a, a, a benevolent path. And do you, do, you, so, do you think, do you think I had a question? I, I don't want to miss it. Do, do you think my wife and I were talking about this? It, could it be that there's, you know, we talk a lot about frequency and vibration and yeah. how, how that creates uh, different realities that you could have a completely almost like a uh, a sound vibration that there would be a different you know uh, music available in different octaves of sound in vibrations there's different because sometimes I'm feeling like it looks like sometimes when I look out there I see Klaus Schwab and I see the WEF with and the globalists and it seems like they're well on their way but then I can look over here and I see unbelievable like the creation of bitcoin like you know, like sovereign money that's not tied to the deep state and any of the the old guard and all these structures are being built that look beyond like a higher vibration structure and so and i and i see the same thing with certain people like some people can't see certain things that you're like that's weird that i was talking about that but they don't there's no they have no relationship whatsoever it's almost like they can't understand whatsoever what I'm talking about. And then I can talk to another person and they're like, oh my God, it's like they're finishing my sentences and they really get it. And it's like, is there going to be almost like a bifurcation? You know, it sounds weird because we're so used to thinking about the world being one kind of consciousness. You know, we've got sociopaths like Bill Gates and we share that, you know, with all the good mystics and the good people and the heart-centered people all over the planet. But could it be that it's like, there is going to be kind of a split. You see that a little bit in some of the new age talk, but I wanted to ask you about that. Like, how do you feel about, about the idea that there could be a split and it's kind of a vibrational frequency split, almost like Tesla talked about. Um, how, how does that jive with what you've discovered or what your intuition is about it? Oh, def. I mean, the bifurcation, it's, it's palpable, you know, yeah. it's, you know, and there are, there are those, you know, in the in the truth seeking communities who say, well, uh, like we all have to be saved or nobody will be saved, you know, and there's yeah. the uh, whole thing of where we go one, we go all. Yep. Um, that's on the one hand, you know, it's a nice thought, but it's also very reminiscent of collectivism. 
Right. It is. <laughs> yep. yep. And so, you know, we are individual souls going through our journeys and going, you know, as Jung would say, into greater individuation as souls, mm-hmm. not necessarily as individual human egos, but as souls. And it is that individuation that enriches the tapestry of the universe out there. Now, I I, I don't see any other way than a bifurcation. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, some, you know, you've got some people who are very vocal uh, on the internet talking about how great the transhumanist thing is going to be. Yep. Well, you know, okay, that's your path. And it's definitely not going to be my path. So we're obviously going to go different ways. Yep. Um, what will be important will be, you know, to make sure that they can be happy in their little realm and we can be happy in our little realm. You know, how is that going to be negotiated? That to me is a big question mark. You know, I haven't, I haven't actually, you know, wondered in practical terms about how to go about this because I think it cannot be approached with the rational tools that we have. This is going to be much more of a metaphysical issue and we're going to be be able to need, we're going to need to be able to approach it from a completely different perspective, you know, from a intergalactic perspective, possibly. Absolutely. I I think that's exactly right. Intergalactic perspective. I mean, we've been talking about that quite a bit um, because, you know, it, it seems to me that there could be like to, to use the way that you describe it in the book, aromantic forces that, that, and, and the Gnostics talk about this. It's astounding to me that Gnostics were hinting at this way back when, like, it's like, how did you guys, how were you warning humanity about uh, mind parasites and mind viruses way back? You know, I have no idea how, how they, how they came up with that or how they were warning people about that. But it seems to me like not all technology is going to be uh, transhumanist or anti-human, right? I think there's, I think there's the archonic, uh, to use a Gnostic term, certainly, you know, the stuff that, that Klaus Schwab is talking about, um, uh, definitely. Um, but there's also probably a whole array of higher technology that galactics use. And I do believe Bitcoin is one of them to be, um, to come out of the closet. I think that was given to us by pro-humanity galactics for us to get ready to welcome in and partner with galactics. So they're, they're the cats out of the bag in terms of what I think of that. But I think there's a whole bunch of technology that's not going to be invasive of the soul's sovereignty or the soul's journey, that there's a, there's a way of having advanced technology. And I think galactics have been waiting for us to sort of get out of our adolescence. Um, and we've had this pesky um, sociopathic problem that's probably off planet as well. But some of that seems to be coming to a head. I think I can see a brighter future and I could see um, technology that's very pro-humanity that's going to be coming along with it. It's, it's very exciting. But at the same time, uh, I can still see the old, you know, I can see what's what they're trying to build that's going to enslave 
um, the other, you know, the other side of the equation or just people that are not quite ready for the higher frequency or the higher knowing. I don't want to, I'm not judging or I'm not putting myself in a special spot. I'm just, um, I know a lot of people in both camps and I don't like to think of anybody living under some sort of weird transhumanist social credit, you know, just like, it sounds just terrible. The worst sort sort of fascism and Nazism. Um, and, you know, I want to be done with all of that stuff, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure everybody's done with that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. No, yeah. I mean, the whole, the, the whole thing about technology, uh, uh, you know, there are cultures out there in the universe that have, you know, completely messed themselves up by becoming enslaved yeah. and infatuated with, with technology. And, you know, this is, it's happening here in a big way. This is where, you know, the, the Krivda book was all about how we've been messed up in terms of the soul and the body-mind not working together. Mm. You know, technology is going to be fine as long as it works in, under our um, rule, basically, under a humane human rule. So, you know, I have no problem using, you know, the Internet and, and you know, these platforms that we use to do these conversations remotely. And I'm very grateful for them because they've enabled, well, you, Tony and Anna to have a chit-chat once in a while. So, exactly. you know, these things, but it's because we use them, not for the sake of the technology, but for the sake of having a, a human, humane chit-chat. Right. So we're infusing the technology with our intentions, with, you know, the goodness of our hearts, whatever that may be. and. Um, and it humanizes the technology. Mm -hmm. I think yep. that's the fundamental point. You know, when people yeah. are speculating about where technology is going, is it going to be, you know, for it to be our ally, it's not about us speculating whether it's going to be good or bad technology. It's us getting very clear about right. how we in our integrity are going to be using the technology. Yeah, And also, perhaps, at least for some of us, the awareness that sooner or later we may no longer need the technology because mm -hmm. we will have recovered, you know, the old clairvoyance, telepathy that our very, 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 very remote ancestors had, yep. you know, in more shamanistic cultures, which, you know, that ties in with what you were saying at the beginning about the Gnostics. How could they have known? Well, to me, you know, the Gnostics are one sort of residual branch mm -hmm. 2,000 plus years ago of an older culture that mm -hmm. used to be all pervasive, you know, amongst humankinds. And so, you know, it's not that they were discovering the Demiurge and all that. It's just that they continued knowing what their own ancestors had been knowing. Um, you know, I got a whiff of that 
in my own sort of, you know, immersion in India with that sort of grassroots human path where there are no gods and nobody sort of lords it over anybody else. Um, they, what their philosophy held was slightly akin to, to, to the Gnostic philosophy. And I do believe that there was this kind of large, let's say, shamanic, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. belt that ran across the whole of the Eurasian landmass. Um, and it produced different forms. That's, you know, that is what produced the esoteric inner forms of the different religions. Mm-hmm. You know, Sufi to Islam, esoteric Christianity to, 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 to the official sort of Christianity. Um, the same in, in Buddhism, you've got these esoteric uh, un- undercurrents, which actually hold on to very ancient truths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's how I see the Gnostics sort of fitting into that landscape. I, I took I took something out of Krivda, um, and I'm going to read it to you. I, you wrote, quote, theirs is a sophisticated parasitic reality centered on control, a closed mentality, mentality that deludes us into false safety. But we can choose to step out into the open way. Deep inside every human, something somehow remembers a space time before the gods. I really love this, but I wanted to ask you about what is for you, what do you mean by the open way? What's an open way relative to the control mechanisms that you see on this kind of hierarchical uh, power structure that we're so used to seeing? Well, the open way is, well, you can take out, you know, you can bring up all the the usual cliches of cooperation versus competition. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, when you've got a hierarchy, you've got a vertical model, well, people are going to compete to climb up the rungs of the ladder. And it's mm-hmm. easier to, comp- they discover, you know, they've discovered historically, and the gods have taught them also, that it's easier to compete effectively as a crook than as an honest person. And the honest person basically doesn't really isn't really concerned about climbing the rungs of the ladder because it's more about conducting a life well lived with, you know, with nature and with your fellow humans. So the open way is more a way of cooperation. It's a way of openness to discovering what you have not been taught by your hierarchical elders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, in its horizontal, let's, you know, okay, horizontal versus vertical. Basically, humans are both horizontal and vertical. By, you know, by virtue of our anatomy, we are vertical antennae connecting, you know, mm-hmm. the earth polarity to the heavens or universe out there polarity. Mm-hmm. So we've got the vertical in us, but it's not a hierarchy. That's what people miss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, you know, and because of that, you've got this whole business of ascension. We have to ascend, mm-hmm. which tends to imply that down here is, it's low, it's lowly. Right. Yeah. But you look around you at nature. I'm sorry. It's spectacular. Yeah. It's not lowly. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah. you just open your eyes, 
Your mm. eyes open are going to tell you, they're going to show you what nature is teaching you, what this planet is teaching you. Mm. And that's the other great thing that the Gnostics brought into the picture is basically, okay, apart from the whole business of being a fallen goddess mm -hmm. and of having made a mistake and having given birth to Yeldabaoth and all that, they are reintroducing the feminine principle in a very big way and acknowledging that this feminine principle is a is materialized mm -hmm. in this physical form as this planet called sophia and you know this materialization in our day and age well, we are now poisoned with the other duality and polarity of materialism versus spirituality. Mm -hmm. But this lady, the big planet, the big lady upon which we live, mm -hmm. is this eonic super spirit that infused itself and condensed itself into matter. Now, if this isn't a reconciliation of matter and spirit, I don't know what can be. But when you approach the reality in which we live, the reality of who we are as physical material beings living on this planet, the children of this planet, but also the children of the universe, because that's what we bring, you know, in our soul, the souls that incarnate here encompass the universe. So we're a combination of the two. We are matter and spirit. And we have been playing along with the duality, the false duality imprinted into our minds into our sense of ego by, you know, centuries and millennia of divorcing the mind, the body, mind, and the spirit and the soul. But if we realize that like our planet, we are spirit soul beings taking an incarnation here, an incarnation that is supposed to be the revelation, the revealing of what our souls have brought down here, mm -hmm. then you've got a bloody open path yes. ahead of you. If you, if, you, if you understand that, if you feel that in your bones, well, you're going, you're, you're going to, tr first of all, you're going to reconcile the material and, and the spiritual. You're not going to be taking care of just your body for maximum health and fitness mm -hmm. or just your soul saying, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to the day I can leave my meat suit behind. Right. Okay? You don't have to be polarized like that. Mm -hmm. You're going to recognize that men's sana in corpore sano and that your soul is going to flourish if you take decent care of the body so that the soul can take care of the body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the reconciling and making the mind, bringing the mind into alignment with both the spiritual and the material parts of who we are and of who she is this planet of ours and then reconciling our conducting of our lives with the way she conducts her life mm -hmm. because we're part and parcel of the same reality so that's the open path which is it's open because it's each one of us can express the particular genius of our respective soul spirit I feel, I in, feel so, I feel so, oh, we finished, I'm sorry. We can, re, we can manifest our individual genius in the way that is congruent for this individual that each one of us is. 
Mm-hmm. But we can also all be cooperating because our respective individualities and individual manifestations of who we are as soul beings are here to cooperate amongst ourselves and with her. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love what you're saying. Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview with the always interesting Anna Retort. I love what she said about how we're all going through an initiation right now into a sort of dark night of the soul. I agree, and the theme of initiation as a framework works well for us here at Basecamp. What resources will the hero reach for during his or her dark night? What part of the tribe of humanity will hold the light and the way forward? This is all unfolding in perfect time. And since we're talking about Sophia and the Divine Feminine, my blessing and wish for you this week is that you all get out and enjoy the unbelievable splendor that is our natural home. Enjoy, Base Campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.